You're listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Hello, welcome back. You are listening to the Doing Law Differently podcast. If you are a long-time listener, thank you for making this show part of your weekly routine. It means a lot to me that you find value in the podcast that I produce, and I'm really glad to have you join us each week. If you're new here, Doing Law Differently is my weekly podcast where I share interviews with lawyers who are really leading the way in legal innovation. I am also a lawyer working at a small firm here in Perth where I lead the development of our legal services. So my role is all about bringing together people, processes and technology to design innovative legal services. I'm also an author. My new book, It's Time to Do Law Differently, How to Reshape Your Firm and Regain Your Life, is about to be published in mid-November. And I'm a coach and mentor to law firm leaders who are looking for some guidance with their law firm transformation journey. So it's safe to say that I get excited by exploring new ways to improve the legal profession, to make law better, as they say, and help people to do law differently. And today's interview is a perfect example of that. I'm joined by Michael Morrissey, who is the Managing Director at Morrissey Law and Advisory based in Newcastle, New South Wales. Michael is a construction lawyer by trade, but part of his work that he loves the most is working with other people to build teams and to help each other to succeed on projects. He says that he built Morrissey Law because he wanted a law firm with a relationship focus and that that makes for a happier place to work. So on this podcast, I speak to Michael about his culture of curiosity that he tries to foster among his team. And that really is a central theme of this interview and also a core value that really underpins the business. Michael also talks very openly about his firm's journey to fixed and value pricing, sharing what's worked, what hasn't worked and what's next on that journey. I'm sure that you will enjoy hearing from Michael. So let's hit play. Here is Michael Morrissey from Morrissey Law and Advisory on the Doing Law Differently podcast. Hi, Michael. Thank you for joining me. Hi, Lucy. Thank you for having me. I have done a brief intro to tell listeners who you are in the introduction, Mm. but I'd love to hear it from you. I always like to hear people tell us about themselves. So give us a brief intro to you and your firm. So, yeah, my name's Michael Morrissey and I'm very creative with the name of the firm. It's Morrissey Law and Advisory. And at the heart of it, I suppose I'm a construction lawyer by trade, if you're looking at me as a lawyer. I started life as a journalist and then ended up falling into construction law once I decided to put that law degree to use. And what I'm interested in is really trying to think of creative ways to solve complex problems. And that's part of the attraction of working largely in the construction space for me. You've got projects with all these movable pieces and and lots of interesting questions or difficult questions or creative problems to have to try and find a solution for. And with that hat on, about three years ago, or just over three years ago, I made the decision to set out on my own and, and start a firm unsure where that journey would take me. Um, I'd worked with some really interesting people in the past and thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll go do my own thing and just see where I land. And sort of three years later, we're a firm of about 20 people um, spread across um, three offices in New South Wales with the heart of the business, still being very focused around the built environment, but also work in well, one of the latest additions is we've got a sort of startup venture capital practice and we kind of work around 
problems and, and industries we find interesting. And, and the big prerogative as a business we like to focus on is as lawyers, we've got a unique opportunity to help people build better relationships. I mean, we're, we're in the game of uh, even when we look at a construction project, we've, we've got two sides or multiple sides, I, su- I suppose, sometimes of people with varying relationships and trying to put all that together to work and deliver something that can be very complex and very interesting and very, um, just as I'm sitting here at the moment, I can see the new uh, Barangaroo One building out of my office building and I go very large, I suppose, um, <laughs> sometimes. So, yeah, I, I guess as I grew a firm, the focus was very much for me to build a law firm environment where we had really nice, kind, creative and interesting people that want to work together a certain way. And that's that's what's led to us being the size we are at the moment, Lucy. We've just found good people and been lucky enough to bring them into the team and and we're building out a business that way. We, When we agreed to do this interview, we said we don't really have a preconceived agenda about what we're going to talk about. We'll just kind of have a conversation about how you're doing law differently and see where it ends up. Um, the central theme of what you've just explained about um, your business and what you do and who you do it for seems to be, and you say this yourself, this um, uh, relationships, about relationships are important to you, important part of your business. Um, that's a lot to do with why you started the firm and you've just said then to do with the, with the reason for your growth. I'm interested in exploring that. Did you, When you started the firm, did you intend to grow, I mean, from zero or from you to 20 people in three years? That's a lot. That's quite big growth in terms of numbers of people. Was that always the intention? No. So I've got, I mean, being introspective about it, I've got a, I've got a reasonably healthy appetite for risk for being a lawyer. So when I, when I started it, um, I was actually out in, I was, um, out in Broken Hill of all places. And, you know, that's a, if for anyone that's ever been there, it's a very entrepreneurial city and a lot of people that think through problems very differently. Um, and I was walking around the town pretty close to dusk and I've been weighing up, do I go into, I'd, I'd left my previous firm and I was just looking to do something different. I was weighing up, do I go into something similar? Do I go into a different industry? Do I go join a big firm? And I just thought, oh, no, you know what, stuff it. I'll just go and do my own thing and see where it lands. I knew it wouldn't always be me. I like being around other people. I like working as part of a team. And probably in the back of my mindset, I have always thought I'd like to build a a group of people that like to work the same way together and build out something and see where it goes. But if you'd asked me whether we'd be 20 people in 2020, I jokingly would have said yes, but I don't think it's quite where I thought we would have landed. It's been a big process to build that out um, rapidly with... um, lots of different people across three different sites. So I enjoy that part of it. But if you'd asked me when I first started, is that where you're going to be? I'm like, no. And I'll probably just be me and my dog sitting next to each other in an office with someone else that occasionally sticks their head in for a coffee. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty extraordinary growth in three years. Even just hiring one employee, you know, there's a hell of a lot involved in that in terms of the hiring and the interviewing and the onboarding and all of that kind of thing. So to build up to 20 people in that short time, I think is amazing. But it also says a lot about your business and what you do and who you work with. We've touched on this idea of relationships as being important to you. And I wrote this down, as you said it, about building a law firm where everybody's nice and kind and creative and we work with interesting people. I think the reason why that resonates with me is because I feel the same way. I do the work I do because I enjoy the work, but mostly because I enjoy working with the people who I work with. So how do you do it? How do you find the people who believe in what you believe in at the firm? 
I'd been lucky the baseline of those people I'd worked with previously. So that um, so there'd been a few specific people I'd worked with in other firms where I'm like, I'd love to be able to work with them again one day. And our, we're, we're four directors, Hamish, Belinda, Jacqueline and myself, and we wanted to have a 50-50 male-female board. And I'd worked with them all before and they're all phenomenal people. So I'm very lucky that they want to work. Uh, we, we're able to work together again. But you find people, I think, just by being curious. I know that, that probably sounds like a bit of a cop-out answer, but... So there's a few things. I'm I'm a big believer that having um, having people from a mix a mix of backgrounds is really important to build an interest in business, and particularly important to build an interest in law firm where you're trying to solve problems for a vast range of people and businesses. We're largely business to business, but I st- I'll still use the term people pretty regularly because the businesses we're solving problems for, they're you know they're they're a board or a group of managing directors, and they're people with their own prerogatives, but. You know, from my perspective has always been if you can get a diverse group of people that those things are wanting to do good and to be kind of fundamental values we have, but then you can add in all the other elements. So if I look across my team, we've got, um, I started life as a journalist, Belinda started um, life as a social worker. And we've had people that have come from a really broad, broad range of backgrounds to come together to build a law firm. And that's I joke about sometimes, you know, the island of misfit toys, and I mean that um, in a kind way. But what it is is you've got people that have come to law for very for very different reasons, but are very passionate about solving those kind of problems. And we've found most of the people just through being curious and building connections. And one of the things I'm very big with my team is connecting with other practitioners outside of your own law firm, because one of the things I think lawyers often don't do really well is share with each other. There's this sense that commercial information is is sensitive and important and we better keep all this stuff to ourselves about how we do business and what our firm looks like and how we operate. But I think particularly starting a firm and meeting a few people at the same point of the journey, sharing that information has helped us all grow and learn from each other's mistakes. And then you meet someone through someone who it all ties in together. I mean, the latest three people we, we put on three people at the start of start of this month um we met them through various means and then started to realize just the sheer number of overlapping friendship circles and groups despite coming from very different places it just becomes a small world so i think mm-hmm. curiosity is the big piece that's helped helped us drive growth um both from a client perspective and um and finding people that their ethos aligns with what we're or their purpose aligns with what we're trying to achieve one of the things I've learned that stands out for me in what you've just said is this idea of connecting with other lawyers outside your law firm. And um, maybe you've answered this in part by saying that you approach hiring new people with this curiosity and you look for people who have friends in common or they know other colleagues. So mm. maybe that's the answer, but perhaps I'll let you tell me and perhaps mm. I'll give you the question so you know what you're mm. answering, which is <laughs> how do you encourage that? Because the connecting with people outside your firm, I think in my own career that was something that and I definitely didn't start my career in that way I started with kind of focusing on what's happening within the four walls of this firm and less so in what's happening on the walls outside of my firm but then when I realized kind of that I'd been missing out on that and how much there was to learn I wanted to get our staff involved in that too I really what it came down to was helping them to see what's going on outside the firm so that they can bring it back. We can learn from other people. We can kind of all share ideas, but also to show them that there are different ways of doing things and that this isn't the only way. But I have found that quite challenging for some people to get them involved in the bigger picture of the profession. How do you do that? 
it's a gradual process for some and it's really rapid for others. So mm-hmm. I think I, so I was a journalist with Fairfax for five years before I put my law degree into use. And I found that particularly that was in my teens and early 20s, having to go and have difficult conversations with people on an urgent basis probably got rid of some of that fear of having conversations with people I don't know. If you're going and knocking on the door to talk to someone who's just been through something quite traumatic, um, I sometimes put that in the place. I'm not going to have a harder conversation um, in the in a professional setting these days. I work on construction projects. Hmm. Um so I guess I was blooded a little bit in my previous profession in having to engage with people and have conversations when I wouldn't otherwise strike up a conversation on the street, so to speak. I think the way I've tried to actively bring people along for the ride. So if I'm meeting someone new, I try and have other team members that are invited along to come and talk very much about we spend a lot of time sharing things that we're curious about around the firm. So we have our you know, lunch and learn sessions. We have, we've got a really big focus on mental wellbeing. So everyone shares different ways they, they look after themselves or different strategies around health and wellbeing. If someone sees someone interesting or doing something that they find interesting, we encourage them to reach out and try and, we try and just make that a, a bit of a soft landing for people. Just so very rarely is someone offended um, by being asked for a coffee if it's to genuinely learn about something interesting they're doing. Yeah. I think, um, it's another thing to knock on someone's door to try and be, you know, to be the door-to-door salesperson. I don't think that's a, a clever strategy at all. I think going and meeting people because you're genuinely curious about what they're doing and what they're trying to achieve um, is both enlightening it's, it's and, and liberating because as lawyers, we do often think this is our box. We better sit in our box and, and do the work in our box in this certain way. Um, but, you know, I talk to the team regularly about we don't know everything. Like you're bringing a lot to the table. And one thing we really focus on and we we adopted pretty early was we hired some grads that are really, really clever and think about problems very differently to what we do. So we're like, well, we're already adopting things from people that um, might be 15 years younger than than what I am. Like imagine what's outside of these four walls. Go have that chat, have that coffee. The worst someone can say is, um, oh, look, I'm, I'm too busy to catch up and that's cool. Yeah, that's fine too. It sounds really obvious, but when you say, if I'm going to meet someone, taking someone else along, it sounds like a very obvious thing to do, but that's not something I've really thought about doing, which sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud, but that's part of the point, isn't it, of talking about this stuff is we don't necessarily recognise or think about that. No, and I mean, it's people think that going to meet someone else to talk about something the other person's interested in is going to feel like a bad date and occasionally... (laughs) A third um, wheel. Yeah, occasionally it might feel like that occasionally you meet someone and there's no connection point but often you go I encourage people you meet people because they do something that that is genuinely interesting you don't do it with an alternative motive you do it because like oh that person I'm really interested about how they approach that problem or um I'll give an example we've um we reached out to Mel at Hive Legal recently because she's doing some wonderful stuff in the legal design space I know her through a few events in the past but Belinda hadn't ever spoken to her before so it was kind of a cold call and you want to learn from people. I mean, we're in very different cities and we've got um, very different approaches, but I think we all, you know, we, it's that curious conversation that's fun. Mm. It's exciting. And I find that sort of people, you know, people are lawyers because they're curious about problems. You've got to have that element, I think, to last in this career. Can you give me an example of what comes to the top of your mind if I ask you to share an example of how this culture of curiosity has benefited your business? I think... One of the things that it, it's really benefited, one of the ways it's really benefited 
us is we've adopted a really flat structure. We still have the titles and we have those for, for some reasons, we've, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, but we want to have an environment where people have an opportunity to thrive and promoting that curiosity has meant that our team feels comfortable having difficult conversations with people, not just in the firm, but outside of it as well. So we want to be able to create a safe environment. My colleague, Belinda Crosby, recently did a series of articles around sexual harassment in the industry and some of the conclusions she came to in her research were that that flat structure and and, and speaking to other organisations creates a safe environment. But that, sort of, that was sort of independent of... That research was reassuring, but it was independent of what we'd been thinking about, I guess, by promoting, telling our staff to go out talk to people and learn like we've started to adopt different behaviors even within the firm already so we're trying to move to a fully fixed pricing model after being not fully fixed pricing and some of those approaches have not been internal ideas Um, they've been going out and speaking to people and learning from sharing our failures and learning from their failures and and at the moment we're moving pretty rapidly towards having by the end of this financial year being a fully fixed a fully value-based pricing model and and potentially not having any hourly rate work at all. We wouldn't be achieving that if we weren't out speaking to people and being curious about what other people are doing. And that's not just across the legal business, that's across professional services, manufacturing, construction, a whole bunch of things. Like we, that learning when people bring it to the table is stuff that we would just not think of by being lawyers. We haven't been exposed to problems in that shape or form or within our own business. It's across the whole business. Like yeah. it's, uh, it's really hard to think of a direct example. It'll yeah. be such and such went out um, and spoke to spoke to someone about topic X, and then we come in like, oh, that sounds cool. Let's just try it. It's a willingness to experiment once you've you know you've been curious and learned something. But it's one thing to hold on to that information and not share it. But I think the curiosity leads to sharing, which leads to if you're prepared to then experiment and try things, cool stuff starts to happen. My new book, It's Time to Do Law Differently, How to Reshape Your Firm and Regain Your Life, is now available for pre-order over on my website at lucydickens.com.au forward slash book. The book is written for leaders of small law firms who want to reshape the way they do business but are really stuck on what to do and how to do it. And so I provide a six-step blueprint that will help you to transform your firm. The book will be officially published in mid-November, but if you want to be the first to get your hands on a signed copy, then grab yours at lucydickens.com.au forward slash book. I get the sense that this is not just something that you say. We want our staff to be curious. This is deeply embedded in who you are and who your staff are. And maybe that's why there's no kind of concrete example, because it's just the way you exist and the way that you do things. Yeah, it has been a bit of a learning curve for some lawyers. So we've got a number of lawyers that have come out of very large law firms where they've had the benefit of probably more structure. And I appreciate that isn't necessarily, to a degree, having... Having a bit of a looser structure has really helped us to a, to another degree. It's made it's certainly made some tasks um, harder, like building out. You know, we started three years ago building out our precedent and knowledge bank isn't as well progressed as what we'd like to be. Mm-hmm. But it's meant that they're already they're sitting down, and when I talk to them about problems, what they would have said twelve months ago when they first joined is very different to how they'd approach that problem now. And a lot of that is learning to actively listen to people and to take on what they're aiming to achieve. And, you know, that works both a project perspective, particularly on construction projects, but, yeah, like we mentioned, even in, even in that internal capacity. Yeah. That curiosity, just as long as we've got to give people an environment where, the, where they can experiment once they've been curious. 
You touched before on your transition to fixed and value pricing, and that's always something that listeners are interested in learning about because I know that's a journey that a lot of people are traveling or wanting to start lots of people at different stages on that journey. But I'm interested to explore yours. So can you tell us what are some of the things you've done? What are some of the things that have worked? What maybe hasn't worked? It's littered with failures. Let's start with that. (laughs) Um, So stuff has worked, but I'll start with there is a um, long list of failures afterwards. So when I first started, I mostly did did value-based pricing. Then as, as you get into a stage where you get bigger again, it slips and then you start to tidy it up and then it slips. And we're finally at that point, we've gone, okay, enough's enough. We're 20 people now. We're going to get this right. So the things we've been actively doing over the last um, six months, um, we've been to- we've hired a legal project manager to focus on that project. One of our biggest failures is we progress something, you get busy with work, it gets pushed to the side and you fall into old habits. So we made a decision um, midway through this year, we're getting someone who has legal training but is not a lawyer and is really well trained in innovation, trained around entrepreneurship and innovation to lead that project. It had been being led by me as the managing director and that was, let's put that down to another little cross on the road because I'm spread too thin. I don't implement and I'm I'm off the tools more than what I ever have been in my career. So me saying this is how we're going to do things is not fair to the rest of the team. So what she's been focused on in particular is sitting down. She spent a huge amount of time with the team and surveyed them and had some really deep conversations both with the management team and the rest of the staff about what works and what doesn't and having someone who is not a director of a business have those conversations we've got far more meaningful insights in what people think has worked Mm -hmm. and and hasn't and we've taken that taken that on board and built out a data set from there the second um thing where and we're actively still working through this at the moment is getting data from a lot of clients and a lot. We've spoken to people across nearly every business we've worked with. We've sent out a survey, including where we know that they might not have been as happy with the fees or the services as we would have liked to have been, and right through to clients that um, clap when we enter the room. So we're trying to build that data set of what they like and what they don't like and then make our decisions off there. As lawyers, we found that we were making assumptions about what would be good. You think through the problem and you do that quite intrinsically for a lot of people or you've um, internalised it and then you try and come up with a solution. So we're trying to do it in quite an open way and that's where we're getting models that work a lot better for clients and that means they're working a lot easier for the lawyers. Like once the clients are really engaged, it makes it a lot easier for the lawyer to be engaged on that journey and, and then we're focusing on things that might be pressure points for lawyers. So one thing, and this isn't just within our firm, I've spoken to a number of people, that fee conversation is one of the most difficult conversations you can mm-hmm. have. So how do we make that process easier? Is there software that can help us? Is there a way to approach those um, hard conversations differently or more openly? And active listening and curiosity is helping solve that problem. I know I'm going back in circles, but if you already had, had a real conversation with your client, it's a lot easier to come up with a fee model that works for them yeah. as opposed to going, here's our box, let's see if it fits over their head. So those are the learning pieces we're, we're working on and then it's experimentation. We've done some fee models that clients have really enjoyed and we've got a nice win on and we've got some we have been seriously burnt on and we've taken lessons out of that. We've taken the approach, if we get it wrong, we wear it. Um, yeah. So 
that's been really important to us. If we misfire, we're not going back and renegotiating that structure with the client. We've gone very much, okay, well, this is going to hurt a little bit, but that's that's where it learn and move forward. And that's the best way to learn though as well, isn't it? If if you just make it someone else's problem and you say, well, sorry, client, you, you know, we, we misjudged and now you're going to have to pay, you don't really learn from that because what's the loss to you? Oh, exactly. And where's the shared risk, shared reward? So those are the processes we've been working on actively. I mean, things like it in... I mean, some of the lessons and some of the things we've learned along the way are really good knowledge management is absolutely critical to delivering value-based pricing models. Regular conversations with the team and with your clients are critical as well, not just at the start and the end of the matter, but through that journey, big or small matter, having those conversations in a meaningful way, communicating change, um, you know, listening to what those problems are, debriefing, working out if things are still in scope and, and the deliverables and that that falls back to adopting good legal project management skills as well. And that's that's something we're trying to have more training across the board on. And then one of the biggest hurdles we're facing and we're trying to solve is how do you get a software solution that really fits into that? Because a lot of them still dictate you down the path of time. Um, if, if you take a bit of a nihilist approach of, well, if we're going to get rid of time, let's just throw it out the window and never see it again. Then one of the hurdles and issues we're looking at the moment is how do we do that effectively? And there's some really interesting technology pieces, um, including Australian technology pieces, starting to come to life in that space, including some people that are converting sort of what they might have done for in-house teams to external facing firms. So I think we're going to see some exciting developments over the next six to 12 months there. But for us, the reason for doing that as we as we dug into that conversation was it's not just better start clients appreciated more, particularly once you get into the larger businesses, they want fee certainty. But that for lawyers, it, it sort of takes the millstone off from around their neck that concept that their time recording having to solve problems a certain way on a certain budget on a certain time we found was really hurting that curiosity and creativity if people feel like look i can do this task properly if even if i blow if i spend more time on it than i should or less time of it should or maybe i can share that resources with other people in our team and flatten that structure out and go hey i might call in um rob or claire or whoever the person might be because i think they're better equipped to help me on it um Taking off that expectation of billables has been really, really important for allowing people to be creative and feeling like they have the opportunity to communicate and express and discuss problems in more detail. I'm glad you've touched on that because that's one of the questions I was going to ask you a bit earlier on when you were talking about this culture of curiosity was I was going to say, how does that fit with the other performance measures that you have for your staff? And then you mentioned fixed and value pricing, and I think they are absolutely do do fit and so you've kind of explained how those things tie together now yeah so at a firm level we've never really paid much attention at all to what people are billing individually we look at what the team's performing at and the staff know that as well if you ask me what anyone had billed on any day over the last six months I would have no concept I have a pretty good idea of what the team's built over the last month um and, and that's what I think that's one of the things that's really helpful for that. If we say, look, the, prob- the, the, the issue is you need to solve this problem. Um, and litigation is a very hard area for doing that. I'll, I'll be frank, we've got quite a big litigation practice, but we've found on a few big litigations where we've adopted a, um, a value-based pricing approach, the team has worked together in a very, very different way to what we've seen them work on litigations previously. It's, it's quite exciting to watch. Um, it's... Um, 
yeah, it's that kind of thing, like a, a baby lamb stepping out into the into the paddock for the first time. There's that those cautious few steps, and then um, everyone's frolicking around and trying different things. And hopefully, what people are telling us is that it makes for a happier environment for them too, where they feel like they can really turn their focus to solving those problems differently. Yeah. It sounds like quite an exciting time in that transition period where you're still testing and working out how this is going to look for you, but at the same time you're starting to see, like you say, them going from the baby steps to, start to frolicking around. You're seeing how, how much of a big impact this can have on the way that you operate and how it can mm. encourage some of the other things you you want to see more of in the firm, like this curiosity. It's going to have to go in the episode mm. title because... <laughs> curiosity is just coming up again okay, and again so, and again yeah. <laughs> but it, it, it sounds like an exciting time being able to see these things start to come to fruition it really is i mean it's exhausting in a lot of respects i mean the downside of curiosity is there's always something shiny to have a look at but i think seeing people embrace it is really really liberating as a team and i mean we, we run a little library of things that might be useful for people to and i guess that's part of the part of the learning um, internally for people as well. Like we've got a really big philosophy about try and learn, try and read different things, embrace different types of learning. But that helps people get a bit more confidence around it because as lawyers, again, we're trained in a particular way and some of the things we read might not be something they put in front of, they don't put in front of you at law school, but they do put in front of you when you're doing your MBA. So we try and share a lot of things to give people confidence that this is a business model that does work and it is a business structure that has worked in a lot of different industries and we can catch up to it really, really quickly. We can embrace different ways to solve problems and achieve a lot in a really quick window or a really short window um, and embracing diversity and embracing sort of flat structures and having that curiosity is absolutely critical to doing that. I really appreciate you being so honest and sharing the things that you've learned and not just telling us all the good things that are going on, but the things that maybe haven't worked so well or didn't quite go to plan. I think it's really important to hear that because it can be so easy to focus on all these wonderful things that all of us, you know, all the, all the people who I speak to are achieving um, without touching on that it's a journey and you don't get it, always get it right the first time and that we can learn from it. And, you know, we might not be where we want to be yet with the pricing, but we're well and truly on the mm. way. I think it's really important to recognise that. So thank you for sharing that. No, that's okay. And that's part of why we, we really talk about people speaking to other businesses mm. because once you start having those frank conversations um, and you can go, oh, my goodness, I we can't believe we priced or did this this way. Like we, That was so stupid. I, we do it this way now. People go, oh, was it that stupid? Oh, good. I'll know for next time. Or hopefully they've said it to us and we've, you've missed a roadblock. But I think we're learning by doing and that's we speak to people when we recruit them about that's part of the journey. Like you're allowed to make mistakes. It's about trying to improve once you do that. And obviously lawyers aren't very good at making mistakes because we're giving technical and you know, commercially sound and legally sound advice to clients all the time. We feel that as in, in that business building phase or as you as you build your career, you can't get something slightly wrong. Like, oh, oh my goodness, I am. Um, I put the wrong price against that matter. I've, I've stuffed up everything. When actual fact that happens to most firms regularly. Definitely. Um, it's just that we don't talk as openly as we could. Yeah, exactly right. So other than being curious, which I sense is going to be like the number one piece of advice, <laughs> what's the other advice that you would give to someone who wants to do law differently? I'll let you have the be curious if you want. <laughs> if that's the advice, it's allowed to be it. <laughs> Look, that, that is the main piece of advice. I, um, if you want to do law differently, I think letting go of 
some of the traditional structures around your business is really important. As you come out and we talk to a lot of, I've spoken to a lot of people and they've gone to set up businesses, like this is the way we have to practice. And that's drummed into you at different points in the practice management course and at all different points in your career. And obviously there are certain requirements you have to meet as a law firm. I'm not suggesting people sidestep those in any capacity, but it's really been open-minded in about what you want to build. Where I've spoken to people that have hit difficulties and roadblocks is they've started to become the lawyer that they've been told they have to be all the time. And we've got that opportunity to craft our own business and our own career. And that's that's absolutely critical. And I love complex construction projects. I really enjoy working with startups. Those are, that's why they're the main two practice areas. But if someone loves something that's a bit different and someone, I've spoken to someone, they said, I really like working on highly commoditized legal work. Like I love building ways to do that mechanically and soundly and fastly. Oh, sorry, quickly. Fastly is not a word today that I'm aware of. Um, (laughs) So quickly. Um, But, and I'm like, well, that's great. And so they've taken stock and they've gone back and revisited the business they're running because they're really passionate about working out ways to do, to provide legal services for a certain part of the market that's really affordable, effective and does in a certain way, but they'll fall into, into habits they'd learned in previous firms again. Yeah. So I think it's just having the time to have that introspection and go, well, what kind of lawyer or business person or whatever I want to be, and then really embracing that and taking stock regularly. Like, like I said, I'm using the pricing as an example, but I always wanted to be value-based pricing and we've slipped and we've slipped and we've slipped and now we're getting really good at it. We're getting a lot better at it. And that's because the business grew and I fell into how I was taught to do it. I went, no, that's not quite how, that's not where I want to be. And I think taking stock and realising you can be the shape that you want to be and there's so much legal work to be um, professional service work or advisory work, however you want to shape it to be provided across across Australia, let alone you know, any other jurisdiction, that you can that you can build something that's interesting to you and meaningful to you. And you, you just have to take the time to work out how to be, how to be that. It's a common theme that I hear with most of the people who I interview and they say that there is a point in time when they kind of realise I don't have to practice the way everybody else does or the way I was taught and I can be myself, you know, be my who I am as an individual and bring that into my business and just what can come from that when people have that realization that actually I can do things my way that's pretty cool and that's pretty exciting so good on you for doing that and for building the business that lets you do that and like you say for recognizing along the way where you kind of slip into hang on that wasn't what I intended or that's not how I wanted things to run and then being able to go and change it which it's good well done to you well thank you Lucy I think um that come to Jesus moment. I think a lot of lawyers I've spoken to have had it. Yeah. But um and it is scary. I mean lawyers naturally aren't risk takers. Um but you know if you've if you've really thought it through, I think the that risk looks entirely different. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, Michael. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Lucy. It was lovely chatting to you again and hopefully I'll see you soon. Thanks again for tuning in to Doing Law Differently. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to share it with someone else who you think will love it too. You can find all our past episodes at doinglawdifferently.com.au.